Hail and well met, champions. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the DM's Guide to Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. I am your host, Greggy Hoxteller, and I am uh, also the host of the Power Warriors uh, Twitch stream every Sunday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash powerwarriors. Uh, you can also email me, thegreggiest at protonmail.com and uh yeah so uh this is the first episode of the dm's guide to rhyme with the frost maiden and we are going to talk about you know some of chapter one we're going to talk about uh, session zero we're going to talk about cold-blooded killer uh starting towns in the ten towns we're going to talk about uh what worked during our first session of the power warriors stream and what didn't and uh, we're going to talk about uh, tools I use and uh, some things that I recommend that maybe you could get some use out of. Yeah, I guess uh, the first question that I need to answer uh, as you're listening to this is, uh, why why am I making this podcast, right? Uh, well, who the heck am I and why should you listen to me? Uh, first of all, uh, the first reason I did it was because I, I searched... Uh, the, the, the podcast listings and I tried to find a podcast like this uh, where a DM just goes maybe chapter by chapter or session by session and talks about uh, things they liked and things they didn't like and, and ways they changed uh, the, the way that the, the adventure is written and so uh, I couldn't find anything like that so I thought well hmm, you know I'm a podcaster at heart, and so my little podcaster brain thought, hmm, maybe, maybe, could I? Who knows? Uh, so that was the first thing. Also, just as a dungeon master, I love when I'm running a, an adventure module that I didn't write myself, I love to talk about the things that I changed and why I did it and how my version is so much better than the one written by professional writers, you know? Uh, and... If you talk about that stuff with your players, uh, that's not good. It's like it's like uh, the magician, uh, you know, opening up their box and showing you, you know, the the lady was safe all along. There was never any any problem. Uh, yeah. So this, talking about the, the behind the scenes stuff uh, as a DM is, is something that you should probably uh, try to avoid with your players, unless you happen to know one of your players is very into that sort of thing and they, they want to uh, to hear that. So it's good to maybe find another dungeon master that you can talk to and uh, yeah, just r run those things past them. Now, my nice thing is I'm now going to do this podcast so I, I don't have to <laughs> talk to another person. I just talk into this mic alone here in my room and you guys are going to listen to this. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll like what I say and maybe you won't, but uh, one way or another, I get to, to say the reasons why I got to do all these things. Let me just get this out of the way right away. I am not a professional in any way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've am I'm run several games from start to finish, and uh, my players seem to have a really good time. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I, I'm not one of these guys that has been at it since 1976, right? Or whatever like that. So... Uh, if you feel like just hearing what someone else did uh, might be helpful to you in your process, 
and this is definitely for you. If you're a brand new dungeon master and you're looking at uh, maybe playing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden with some of your friends, uh, this would definitely, I think, be a good resource. If nothing else, uh, just so you can see, you know, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. And uh, you, if you hear me tell you uh, some of these things, maybe that will give you a little bit more confidence and you'll be a little bit more ready uh, to do this for yourself, even if uh, what I tell you doesn't really add a lot uh, to the experience. Uh, you'll you'll feel more prepared having listened to this, which was why I looked for a podcast like this in the first place. If you have any ideas, if you have any questions, uh, if you have any alternatives to what I tell you, or if you uh, think I'm totally wrong and, and you want to tell me off about it, like I said, send me an email, thegregiest at protonmail.com. Uh, you can also send me a DM on Twitter at the Greggiest. Uh, I would prefer don't send it to the uh, the Power Warriors email address or anything like that because if we talk spoilers and things like that, uh, my players de- technically have uh, access to that that email address, so it wouldn't be the best to send it there. Uh, and by the way, if you are one of my players, uh, or if you are a player at all, I, I suppose I should say. This is not a good episode for you to listen to because some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, particularly when we go over the secrets, uh, that's something you're not going to want to hear because it's going to make your experience less good when you're playing Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Uh, this is for the Dungeon Master. This is for not really for players necessarily. If, if you just want to listen because you don't think you're ever going to get a chance to play Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, that's a totally different thing. And, and knock your socks off whatever whatever you want to do but uh if you're a player you're not going to want to uh get the secrets spoiled for you because uh first of all let's talk about the secrets so in rhyme of the frost maiden they have a very fun little big opening here to to tell you uh what you could talk about during session zero with your players and they give you this big list of secrets and some of the secrets are very small Uh, some of them are kind of medium and, and some are really big secrets that you would need to know before you even uh, start your character. And if a player hears all the secrets and then your other players that you're playing with are going to have these even if you haven't ever heard them before and it's going to be a problem because you're going to have a little bit of a spoiler in there. So uh, before we really start talking about the secrets, uh, players just turn this right off uh, and Maybe sometimes in some of the other episodes you could come back and listen, you know, two or three sessions down the line after we're past it and uh, be able to hear things that aren't going to ruin anything in the campaign necessarily for you. Uh, But this is not one of those episodes because we're going to get into it. You know, the adventure summary, all that is good. Uh, Running the adventure, they, they talk about, you know, the maps and things like that. That's all good. The character creation thing. No, I'm sorry. The adventure flow chart. Not a lot to that. That's uh, very bare bones, but it's nice to think about maybe. The the cool thing is, and I would definitely recommend as a dungeon master, like share these with your players, the character backgrounds. They give you ideas for how you would use an acolyte or, you know, a, a sailor or a, a guild artisan, etc. in this adventure. And that's really cool. That's really good. And it's going to help your players uh, make great characters. Share that section of the adventure with your players because uh, those are all really fun. And even if it doesn't inspire a, a character directly, it's still a great starting off point and something that you're, you're going to want your you're going to want your players to look at that. 
Uh, the stuff about the Goliath players, that's all fine. So the secrets, let's get into the secrets, okay. The secrets are really cool, really fun, and I don't know if I would run it the way it says to in the book, like where you uh, print out them and you, you deal one to a, uh, one of your players and, and then you know they do it at random. I don't know if that's the way I would run it. The way I did run it, actually. The way I ran it was I asked my players, uh, do you want a secret, first of all? All of them did say yes, so that was cool. Uh, and then I said, do you want a, a little secret? Do you want a, a medium secret that might change your character's story? Or do you want a large secret that uh, you need before you even start your character? And uh, they told me where they were and, and uh, how much they had thought ahead. Uh, and I gave them secrets. Uh, I gave each of them two secrets to choose from. And uh, they went from there. You could, like, separate the, the secrets out into, you know, small, medium, big, and then and then randomly hand them to the players. I kind of uh, went through and, and I chose ones uh, that I thought the, the player would like and let them choose from ones that I thought they would like. Uh, and it, I think it worked out really well. And actually, one of my players ended up asking for a second one. Uh, so he got a, a second secret. So he's a, a very secretive character. Also, it might be good to let your players know beforehand that these aren't like uh, secrets that are going to have anybody betraying the party or anything like that. This is fun uh, character building stuff. Not not like uh, uh, I, I'm secretly, uh, you know, a, a, a demon or something like that. Nothing crazy like that. Let's go through some of these secrets and talk about them. Maybe we'll go through the whole list, but uh, Elegander Skyen. Cyan. I'm a sign of the Elegander bloodline and the only known heir to the crown of Neverwinter. If Degalt Neverember, the city's lord regent, learns that I'm alive, he'll send assassins to kill me. That's a really fun secret and uh, it, it has these different like uh, race prerequisites, which which is fine. If, if you know your first, I, I suppose if you know your your player wants to play a human half-elf or half-orc. This would be like a medium secret, I would say, because uh, it could slot in wherever. Uh, if you don't, if they haven't chosen a race yet, this could be a big secret that makes them have to choose one of those. Uh, and that's a fun, that's a fun secret. That would definitely be something you could add in later on in the game. And uh, it suggests a uh, assassin, like the the. Uh, from the monster manual that, that you would send that uh, after the person but you know it, you're not you're not uh tied to that we're dungeon masters we can make it whatever we want it could be something else of any difficulty level that we decide a doppelganger this one is definitely a big one i'm a shapes changer i have none of the traits of the race i'm imitating but i retain my class features background and alignment i have dark vision out to a range of 60 feet I can use an action to do either of the following at will. I can innately cast detect thoughts requiring no components. I can polymorph into an, hum, any humanoid I've seen or back into my true form. Uh, this one is huge. This one you, you would need to give to someone before they made their character. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of cool. It, it gives you, first of all, dark vision is, is pretty amazing. And just the ability to uh, shape change is is crazy. If I was going to give this to someone, I would give them like the the variant um, stat bonuses 
that have come out in Tasha's uh, Cauldron of Everything recently because uh, it's not that cool to, you know, have to take this and then not get your stats. Uh, If you think I'm wrong, though, please feel free to contact me. Drizzt fan, I once met the famous Drow Ranger Drizzt Duerden. In fact, I have a tattered piece of his green, famous green cloak and would never think to part with it. Uh, this one is a very incredibly tiny secret and is not something that I would ever even imagine giving to a player because it's, it's nothing. If you don't know who Drizzt, I guess if you have a player who is a big fan of these novels, uh, that, that this character comes from, uh, a big Dungeons and Dragons fan, maybe you could give it to them and, and they could, uh, have some fun with it. Um, I would definitely, if I had a, a player that had this secret, I would have to come up with some way to bring this tattered piece of the cloak into the story at some point. I don't know how I would do it or, or where I would do it, but it's so small otherwise. It's like, why even bother? Um, elusive Paramore, a wealthy Pasha in Kalimshan has placed a bounty on my head for seducing his favorite concubine. Bounty hunters are scouring the Sword Coast in search of me, but I hope they'll never think to look in Icewind Dale. This one is very fun. This is definitely a medium-sized one. Uh, I don't know uh, the lore specifics of Kalimshan or Pasha's, uh, but I mean, I, I could look that up, and one of my one of my players has this, so I, I should. Yeah, this is a very fun secret of medium size. Uh, definitely think about giving that to somebody. It gives you your player a chance to, you know, be kind of a, a little bit of a, a horny devil <laughs> in a way, and uh, also gives them a big a, a look into their past. You know, uh, I, if you have a, a very young. Uh, the, the player's character is very young. Of course, you wouldn't want to give it to them because they wouldn't have time uh, to have, have done that. But uh, it's definitely a, a good secret. Escaped prisoner. I was brought here from another world by spacefaring mind flayers. Uh, this one I love, first of all, because the ship in which I was imprisoned crashed in the mountains south of ta- Ten Towns. Personally, I can't wait to get my players to that mind flayer ship that's what i'm looking forward to quite a lot in this uh in this game so i would love it if one of my players had the secret unfortunately none of them do but uh let's see so after surviving the crash i nearly froze to death crossing the tundra some friendly trappers found me and uh i fear some of my captors also survived the crash and might come looking for me so much good good stuff in this secret you know yeah, like mind flares might be on the loose coming to find your player and things like that. It, it's crazy. This is a great secret. And if you can, get one of your players to, to take it, I would say. A Littlest Yeti. This is one that's fun. And, uh, of course, uh, the Escape Prisoner one. That one is big, I would say. Because uh, it could be any race or class, so that's not why it's big. But... If your player has already thought of a huge backstory in Forgotten Realms, uh, it could be a problem for them to have the escape prisoner secret. So you might want to give it to somebody before they uh, decide on any backstory specifics. Okay, back to Littlest Yeti. I was raised by Yeti. Although I relied on my ferocious guardians for food and warmth and never quite adapted to the cold, I speak Yeti and have advantage on Christmas checks made to influence Yeti or improve their attitudes. 
Uh, this is a very fun one. Again, this is something that you have to give to the player before they come up with a, a rich backstory because uh, this is would toss all that out the window. Uh, but you know, it, it's fun and it, it could make for uh, if somebody wants to be a weird a weird person, uh, it could give them uh, a good chance to do that. Midwinter Child is a very small one, but a very useful one. Maybe one of the most most overpowered in its way. Uh, secrets among them. Oral of Frostmaiden has blessed me, for I was born on the midwinter holiday. I have resistance to cold damage. Yeah, that's going to be huge in this. And this is a very small. This is one of the smaller ones uh, so far as, you know, your character's backstory goes. Uh, so you can give it to somebody that has a big plan. But, you know, they get a huge advantage because of that resistance to cold damage. Uh, Old Flame. I have a lover in ten towns whom I haven't seen in years. At any time outside of combat, I can decide who the lover is by choosing an NPC in ten towns that I can see. So, this one is medium, I would say, because, uh, again, it can't be too young of a character, so uh, there's that, and it has to be someone... Uh, well, no, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone from uh, Icewind Dale, because maybe their, their lover came to Icewind Dale recently. Uh, this is a, a very fun one, one uh, I would definitely uh, give to somebody that, uh, you know, is, is very social and uh, would, would like to, uh, you know, have somebody to, to go flirt with and <laughs> maybe maybe respark that flame. Orc Stone. I saved the life of an orc who gave me a stone with a symbol of the Mini Heroes tribe. Uh, carved into it. The stone is an uncommon magic item that requires attunement, and only I can attune to it. So this one is fun. Uh, this is kind of a small one in my opinion because anybody could save the life of an orc at any time, and it doesn't require a lot of time, and it gives you kind of a, a semi-large uh, advantage. You know, you can only use it, uh, what, what is it, three times, and then it turns to dust. I don't know, maybe... I would say instead of turning to dust, it would just lose its magic, and then uh, you could show it to an orc if you ever met them uh, later on, and, and you know it might convey some sort of a uh, a sign that you're a friend to orcs. Uh, you know, making it just go completely away seems like a lot to me. Uh, owl bear whisperer. Owl bears are predisposed to like me. If I'm within ten feet of an owl bear. Blah blah blah. Uh, this one is another small one. There, it doesn't say why uh, the character is uh, a friend to all owl bears or anything like that. So there's something innate within this character uh, that makes them uh, friends to owl bears. Uh, so if you have a player that uh, is always looking for the the animal to tame or whatever, uh, this would be a great secret for them. And it's also one that you can give to somebody that already has a big plan in mind. In fact, you know, this is one if you have a player that doesn't want a secret <laughs> I hate to be tricky but you could uh, in your mind give this player this uh, secret and they, unbeknownst to them, they have no idea that owl bears like them for whatever reason. Uh, so when they come to an owl bear and, and suddenly uh, it's very interested in them and, and very friendly to them uh, it'll be a, a secret, or it'll be a surprise even to them. That could be a fun way to run that. Uh, pirate Cannibal. I served aboard D Dark Duchess, a pirate ship from the city of Luskin. 
After the vessel got stuck in the ice, everyone but the captain abandoned the vessel and fled to ten towns. We got lost in a blizzard along the way. I was the only one who made it, and only by eating my mates. The ship and its treasure are still out there. A very fun one. Uh, this one is is medium in that it... Well, no, but it's a large one. I would say this is definitely a large one. Because they have to want to have been a pirate at some point. And the... When I gave this to my one of my players, I said that the, the cannibalism aspect uh, was up to them. They could take it or leave it. Uh, but they were at one point a pirate and, you know, escaped and, and made their way to Icewind Dale. Uh, because, you know, <laughs> becoming a cannibal is some, a lot to push on somebody. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to do that, uh, without, without that out personally. Reghead Air. I'm the offspring of Queen Bjornhild, Solvig's daughter leader of the tiger tribe. My mother cast me into the sea of moving ice when I was a young child as a sacrifice. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this one, it says you have to have been a human half-elf or half-orc to have this secret. However, when you get to the regheads, when you when you look at their chapter, uh, they welcome anyone into their tribes, right? So why does it have to be one of these? I mean, if you give this to a tiefling, for instance... Um, you might have to make Queen Bjornhild Solvig's daughter a tiefling from now on, or, or something like that. I haven't read that chapter completely, so I don't know if there's some reason why it has to be a human. Uh, this, this, this woman has to be a human in the lore. Um, but to me, it seems like, uh, if they allow people to join, uh, their, their tribe, Oh, why not have the queen be someone who had joined the tribe? But that's just me. Uh, and like I said, I haven't read it, so I'm kind of speaking out of my ass a little bit. Uh, but this one, uh, it depends. If, if it's a human half-elf or half-orc, uh, it might be a big one because they need to know that that's what they need to make before they get it. If they, you know they're already they're already choosing that, it could be a medium one. Although, I mean, that's a big, that's a big story. You would have to build your character around that, I think. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that's a big one. Reincarnation. I died and was brought back to life by a friendly human druid using the reincarnate spell. I have no idea what became of the druid whose name I don't know. I retain the memories of my previous life, some or all of which were spent in Icewind Dale. I would say you don't have to do the roll on the table part. You could choose whatever you want for the previous life. Um, but the, the player could, if, if that's the way you want to run it. Uh, this one is a big one, I would say. Although it's cool because it could be any sort of character. It could be any, any race or, or class or anything like that. One of my, one of my players did end up choosing this, but unfortunately he was then not able to play with us, as it turned out. But this was going to be a fun one to explore and maybe find this friendly human druid somewhere, uh, in the game. But yeah, it's one that you would have to know before you had a lot of uh, things planned in your backstory. Ring Hunter, small one. Uh, I am looking for the knucklehead trout that bit off my father's finger, which had a signet ring on it. To preserve my inheritance, I must retrieve the lost ring. The only real prerequisite for this is that the, the player's character be from Icewind Dale. Otherwise, anyone could take this, and it's just uh, kind of fun. Pretty small one.
runaway author. I, I penned a notorious expose called The Hellbent Highborn, which accused several prominent patriarchs in Waterdeep and Baldur's Gate of being devil worshippers. Uh, lots of enemies, and I was forced to seek refuge in Icewind Dale. Now, this is a good one for uh, a character that comes from out of town, but again, this is a big secret that they would need to know before they made their plans. The, the problem is, you know, your players, if they've played Dungeons and Dragons before, uh, they're probably going to have an idea of what they want to do with their character, so far as where they come from and things like that. So if you give them something like this, um, Maybe I would say, uh, so this chapter goes into uh, session zero a lot, like uh, making plans and, and uh, giving expectations to your players. Uh, I would say even before session zero, personally, I would say I run my games online and uh, a lot of my session zero it takes place in like a, a Discord server or something like that, where we just talk about uh, these things together before we actually get together to play the game or whatever. So if, if you plan a little bit far out and you let the players know there are all these secrets and some of them uh, are going to be huge and you're going to want to know it before you make your character, I think a lot of players are going to say, okay, yes, well, give me a big character, a big choice, a big secret, and I will make my character around that. And some of your players are going to say, well, I've had this this guy that I've had in mind for... Uh, the last six months, and I really want to play the character that I had in mind. Uh, so that's why splitting the them into the two different kinds, or three different kinds, is uh, very worthwhile. Uh, but back to the list. Slod host, a red slot implanted a pellet-sized egg in me shortly before I started my adventuring career. If I can't get rid of it in the next two months, the egg will gestate inside me and a slot tadpole will burst from my chest, killing me. It will then quickly grow into an adult-sized slot and kill even more people huge this is a huge one uh and this is the only one that i would say is kind of uh could lead to a betrayal or uh, a big problem for the party um in a much larger way than the one where you like an assassin is going to come for you or angry uh angry demonic uh water deep citizens are gonna come after you or whatever because you've got this uh, this this time clock, and as a, as the DM, uh, you get to make this go off whenever you want. This is a tough one. I don't know if I would include this in my game, just because, like I said, it's it's got that aspect of betrayal. It's got that problem. I mean, it's it's a great uh, nothing like a, a ticking time bomb for. Uh, inducing drama and does the player share it with the party or when does he when do they share it with the party etc uh so i could see having a fun time with this one but it's it's something that is going to be so big for the party to deal with uh in in a way that well, these other ones are not like this is maybe something that the whole campaign is going to turn on um, in a way that, that the other ones aren't really. So I, I personally didn't include it, and and I don't know. I, I could see doing it, but uh, I think that one is just not for me personally. Uh, Spy. This one is a little... Some of these, actually, I'll say maybe some of these... Um, you're going to want to maybe not share the whole thing to begin with. 
make them say, yes, I, I would like to do this. Um, because th- there's kind of spoilers even in the description. I'm a spy for the Harpers, a secretive organization. Uh, my mission in Icewind Dale is to safeguard the ten towns while concealing my affiliation. Uh, and then it goes into the credible threats, which is like all, all these different things that are that you're going to have later in the campaign. And if they already know about it and they don't choose this, uh, if they see this without choosing it, then they have extra information, especially the Harper contact, uh, Baldora. Maybe give them spy. I'm a spy for the Harpers. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, my mission is to safeguard the settlements. So I would, I would leave it to there. And then from credible threats on, I would not share that with, with the player until they chose it. Uh, also, that goes with the Reghead one. Maybe not the Reghead one. That one's okay. The other one that would definitely go with is the escape prisoner maybe just share i was brought here from another world by spacefaring mind flayers maybe only give them that and then make them choose it before you tell them the rest because otherwise they know the the general whereabouts of this ship and that there is a ship so that could be a problem other than that i think uh, all the other ones are spoiler free enough to be able to to share them uh with your party without any problems so once your your characters have their their secrets that they've chosen, I would say a good thing to do would be to ask questions that help to link the party together. Like say, uh, is your character from Icewind Dale or are they coming from uh, elsewhere in the world? Uh, you know, if you find out that two of your uh, players are are going to be from Icewind Dale, you say, well, do they know each other? Are they are they friends? Are they they could even be family or, or they could be enemies. They could be uh, against each other and then end up coming together uh, to to solve the big issues in the Ten Towns. Maybe once, you're, once you have more of an idea of what your players are planning to do with their uh, characters, you could suggest that maybe they knew someone or something like that. Uh, and uh, you could have a more cohesive party in that way. It's always good to have some connections in the party maybe not like everyone uh, is linked to everyone uh, but it's good to have you know some people be friends coming into it you know it's just weird uh, to have four different people uh, that just happen to uh, sit at the same table at an inn and uh, become uh, a fast friendship from there you know some of them can uh, but maybe you don't want all of them to come from that sort of a, a thing Uh, the Cold-Blooded Killer is what I chose as my first quest, the starting quest for my players. Uh, Nature Spirits is fun. It's got some problems that, that, that I have with it, but if you read that and, and you say, Oh wow, yes, I want my players to do this. Uh, more power to you. This is going to be fun for them. They're going to have a good time. It's a little silly, a little fun. Uh, when I saw that there was one with a serial killer, I thought, wow. My players are going to really get into that. Um, they're going to have a lot of fun with it. Not that cold-blooded killer, cold-hearted killer is uh, is perfect by any means. Let me just say that uh, there are quite a few changes that can be made to this quest because, as written, 
it's a little straightforward and a little uh, a little too straightforward in a way that I think um, your players may uh, kind of bulk at a little bit. That's uh, so straightforward. Not to say if you're a brand new DM and you don't feel comfortable with uh, adjusting things, making big changes. Uh, I don't think it, it's going to be terrible for you to write it, run it as written. Uh, but I'm, I'm just going to give you some ideas uh, for ways to change this quest. First of all, the quest giver uh, is a, a big nothing. Hlyn Trollbane, or maybe Helen Trollbane, I don't know. A retired bounty hunter. So the, her motivation for wanting to track down this killer is boredom and a sense of moral decency. That's ridiculous. That is uh, not that is not a good motivation for a quest giver, in my opinion. And your players, personally, in my in my experience, players hate being double crossed by an NBC much more than they uh, don't like uh, offending a, a, an NPC that is on the up and up. And if, if one of my players heard that uh, this this retired bounty hunter who seems pretty tough and uh, strong in, in her own way is hiring them out to go attack this uh, the serial killer just out of out of a sense of moral decency and boredom and doesn't offer to come with them or anything like that that to me is going to be raising red flags in my players' heads quite a lot they're going to be they're going to be oh no 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 this is a this is a double cross waiting to happen the nice thing is. This, is, this character is nothing. Like, you can replace it with anything. Uh, personally, I replaced it with a guy named Squivers uh, to tie it into uh, a previous campaign that I had run so that my players would know we were in the same world and uh, we could kind of explore a little bit the changes that they made to the world when they played this campaign before. Uh, they, they started this uh, adventuring guild called the Order of Elia, which is kind of like a, a Harper's... Uh, that is like neutral good where they don't mind doing a little bit of uh or maybe even chaotic good they don't mind breaking the law uh but they mostly try to do the right thing uh so i brought squivers in the nice thing about making the the quest giver here uh part of a faction as well is that that gives a good reason for players from outside of icewind dale to come in and uh join the party and uh I think the cold-blooded killer, cold-hearted killer quest is also good for that because it gives a reason, like uh, your faction representative that is giving this quest may re may have requested help from outside of the Dale, and uh, that's why these, this person's uh, character is here now to help with it. Uh, obviously, you're not going to use, you aren't going to use Squivers and the Order of Elia in your campaign because you don't know what it is or who they are or anything like that. But uh, you could make this quest giver. I mean, you could even leave it Helene or Helene Trollbane and uh, but make them uh, a representative of the Harpers. That would be very easy. And then this could be their contact uh, with the Harpers in the 10 towns. Uh, you could make this this person if, if they, your players want to play like bad guys or, or criminals. This could be a Zentarim uh, representative that is uh, hiring them to take this guy out for uh, maybe one of the victims was a member of, of the guild or something like that. It could be you could you could have one of the speakers or one of the sheriffs for one of the towns give the quest. There's 
no end to different ways that you could start this thing off, and I would recommend choosing something other than uh, the retired bounty hunter angle. Although, I, I think it could work. You'd have to give a personality to this uh, to this NPC to make it work. So if 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 they called everybody in to to take out this serial killer out of boredom, then they need to be very enthusiastic about taking this guy out and they need to come on the quest I would say they need to be a uh, part of it and maybe who knows maybe they get killed by Sethic Keltro uh, in the end or something like that but uh, you know that they they're excited for one more chance to get out there with adventures and, and uh, stalk their prey or uh, the other way you could go with it is my double cross idea you could go with that uh, this this retired bounty hunter uh, that's a, a cover, and they're actually working with Sethic and are sending your players to him uh, to be his next victims. And uh, Helene will hop out at the, uh, as they're, they're fighting uh, Sethic and, and attack one of the, the casters in the back of the party. Uh, that could be very fun, uh, very memorable. And, you know, you could put the uh, 100 gold pieces on... Uh, their person so that the, the the party could loot that from them at that point uh, but that's that's some different ways that you could change the quest giver the other thing that I did and that I definitely recommend that you do is to actually make this a, a, an investigation so this quest is very MMO like uh, where the 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 quest giver approaches the the uh, party and says hail and well met champions please go and find the the hideous killer Sethic Keltro and, and knock their, their block off. Um, I will give you 100 gold coins when you return to me. Yeah, this is not a satisfying uh, way to, to, to formulate a quest, in my opinion. The, all you have to do is just take it back a step. Okay, so we know that uh, the killer is in Torg's uh, traveling uh, merchant company, right? But we don't know who it is, and there are six, seven people in this in this traveling company. Who could it be? It could be any one of them, right? Uh, so then your party then has to go and investigate uh, to find out who it is. And you know you, you're going to want to go easy on the checks, like not make them super difficult, and uh, you know go along with them, and so that it doesn't take forever to investigate this this crime or whatever to, to figure out which one it was but if they have to work for it a little bit more it's going to be more satisfying in the end and when they figure out who it is you know that's going to give your players a big sense of satisfaction and uh, make it make it feel a lot more earned one one problem with that though is that you do need to think about a little bit how they're going to investigate. So you've got a halfling trapper in East Haven, a human shipbuilder in Targos, and a dwarven glassblower in Bryn Shander. Um, so we know that the, the reason why uh, each of these was killed was because they were trying to get out of the human sacrifice of their towns. Uh, how did Sethic find out who did it, right? Or why? You have to give uh, reasons why. Uh, so I said that the, the dwarven glassblower hired or, or paid uh, one of the, the, the assistants to the speaker of Bryn Shander to remove his, his name from uh, the registry for the lottery. 
and uh, Sephic came and, and asked this woman about it, and she threatened her, and Sephic threatened to kill her if she told anyone about it. Now, that makes you wonder how did Sephic know to ask that lady? But you know, we don't we don't have to back it up uh, completely. We just need to make these connections so that there's a way to investigate. Um, I started my players in Bryn Shander because if you look in the map, Bryn Shander is the first town you're going to get to, and I wanted some of my players to come from outside of the ten towns, so that seemed like a no-brainer to me. Also, it's one of the, it's like the middle of the uh, the attack, so it makes a lot of sense to make that the starting town. Also, I liked uh, the the starting quest in Bryn Shander as well, foaming mugs. Uh, it gives a, a chance for my players to uh, do a lot of exploration. So I, I, I chose Bryn Shander for those reasons. Once your players find out that, if you start in Bryn Shander, of course, once your players find out that this victim was from this here in the town, they're going to go want to investigate that. And I put uh, the home of the glassblower across the street uh, from uh, the house of the Morning Lord because... There was a character there, Cobber Nobberknocker, that I wanted my players to meet because uh, they're going to have fun with this uh, nutty, crazy gnome, right? So I put it across the street from there so that they'll go and, and talk to them. And also the nice thing about it is he lives up in the attic, so he is watching the street maybe through his little window. And, uh, you know, he's, he's able to uh, give the players uh, some clues. Uh, I also, inside of the glass floor's house... Uh, they did an investigation of his room. I, I, I decided that he was killed in his house there and then found later on maybe uh, Sethic left the door open or something and, and uh, a passing wanderer uh, stopped in to, to purchase some glass and found him dead on the floor. Whatever. So, uh, yeah, it was in his room in my, in my game. And I, I put a little clue where one of my players investigated and they found a white thread uh, in the door jam that it that had been ripped free uh, of a fine a fine make because Sevic dresses fancy uh, and uh, Copper saw that he had those piercing blue eyes and fancy dress uh, oh and that that he had seen uh, the the glass blower arguing with the assistant to the speaker uh, earlier in the day or whatever so. You know, they were able to put that together. They then went and spoke to this this person, uh, and and she originally is is not wanting to help them, uh, but they assure her that you know they're going to take out this killer, and he won't be able to come and kill her. Uh, so they're able to do it that way. They then went and spoke to the black iron uh, blacksmiths because they wanted to check and see if there was any sort of a grapevine uh, between different vendors and, and sellers in the area and that seemed maybe a little more investigation that was really needed but uh, I really like the black iron blades it's a cool lesson in a way to make uh, a NPC memorable it specifically says they make the cheapest blades in 10 towns and that the, the quality of the work isn't great uh, but they do uh, you know, sell them for cheaper. So that that's fun. So to have a place where you can go and, and get a big discount, uh, but know that your your item is is of a lower quality. Uh, you know, you you're not gonna adjust the the rolls for a longsword bought by from the Black Iron Blades. They just 
have to know that there the the sword uh, doesn't look as pretty as a sword from another uh, shop. And this is all you know mind. This is all mind games. This is all mind swords. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's just a really good flavor, really, really fun for your players. And it's also, you know, give them a deal there. I, I cut all the prices in half of what I would usually charge uh, at a vendor um, just just because. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to adjust the, the actual roles or, or quality. Uh, that's as far as my players got in the, the Cold Hearted Killer quest uh, for this week. But like I said, I, I, want, I, I liked foaming mugs, so let's go back to that. I had my players all start off in the north look there in Bryn Shander, and I said Squivers from the Order of Elia had called a meeting of uh, anyone in the, the Icewind Dale or from out of town from the Order of Elia that would come and help to put an end to this serial killer that has struck uh, three different places in the ten towns. Uh, of course, if you're an incredibly old school player, you may hear, you know, starting your campaign in an inn, how cliche, you're, th- you know, wadding up your character sheet and throwing it in my face, etc. But, you know, starting a campaign in an inn is very good because it's a natural, it's a natural meeting place. It gives you a chance to populate the inn, to foreshadow different things later in the uh, campaign, which is something that I took full advantage of. And, you know, players like to order ale and uh, a bowl of stew and uh, a, a slice of crusty bread, etc. Uh, this is all just fun flavor that your your players like to do. It, it's fun. If you don't want to start your campaign in an inn, you could make the meeting in the the town square. That would be fine. Uh, it would be a little chilly because of uh, you know it's like negative forty degrees at all times in this campaign. But that would be fine. Uh, you could start it, it in the city hall. Maybe uh, the speaker of the the town was who called the meeting. Uh, it could very easily be in the in the town hall. Uh, it could be. At the Zentarum meeting place uh, headquarters, if you want your players to be Zentarum, you can start it wherever you want. Personally, I chose the North Look because of the reasons I, I mentioned. I also uh, populated the North Look. I put in a, a small family of Reghead uh, nomads who are in town. They're a tribe of the wolf. I figure if they take in refugees or they take in other people to come join their troops, maybe uh, at times. These people will want to go back to society or, or civilization and, uh, you know, do some trading. Or if they their hunting isn't very good, maybe they'll come in and, and trade some uh, extra extra hides or things like that for supplies that they, they haven't been able to hunt for themselves or, or whatever. Uh, so I figure once in a while you might find a reghead in the Ten Towns. I don't know. Later on... <laughs> I, I may come to a point where I, I, I realize, oh, wait a second, that was not supposed to have happened. Uh, but it seems fair to me I'll be able to hand wave that at some point. I also ha- had a thing where I wanted uh, one of my players, he's playing, <laughs> he, he's made a huge choice. He is the daughter of the, the demon lord Zariel, one of the 
one of the most powerful demon lords of them all and he is their daughter he has a magical sword that has a crystal that speaks to him with the voice of Zariel to as he's on a uh, a mission to assassinate some target of high importance to this demon and you know this is all big big choices so I wanted to show uh, if you're gonna make a big choice this is gonna have big consequences uh, so I, I put these reg hit here and I had his his sword speak to him and, and say uh, you need to go and, and speak to these reghead and ask them about their leader. And of course, he was not paying very close attention to me when I said this. And uh, he, he was not wanting to listen to his sword, even though this was his idea in the first place, etc. So he eventually did go speak to them, but he forgot that it, it had asked for him to uh, ask about their leader. So... Uh, as he goes to leave, his sword is very angry at him. And I think he's going to find when he goes to use it for the first time, the sword is angry at him and he's going to be uh, making his first attack at disadvantage. But that's for later him to find out, session two him to find out. But yeah, so that's just an example of a way that you could include your player's uh, story ideas into, into the narrative. So for foaming mugs, it says that you're supposed to have the dwarves approach the party to me the obvious thing to do is put these dwarves in the inn where they're having their meeting for cold-hearted killer and make them shivering and, and obviously frostbitten and interesting uh they're they're sitting by a, a stove they're eating hearty hot stew steamy stew and they're still shivering and freezing like uh, someone who just came out of the cold, even though they should be by all means warm by now. If you put interesting player, interesting characters in and in, your players will likely go and speak to them because this is one of the, you know, this is one of the hallmarks of Dungeons and Dragons. This is one of the things that you know you're supposed to do when you're an adventurer. So you don't have to have them come and, and, and talk to your characters. I guess... Uh, let's say none of my players wanted to go and speak to these dwarves. Maybe then they approach them. They say, hey, wait, hold on a second. Can I talk to you for a second? And then they tell them about this, the quest. But if you make a, an interesting NPC, the uh, players are likely to approach them in my experience. One weird thing about the Foaming Mugs quest for me, though, is why isn't there a Yeti? Why aren't you fighting a Yeti in it, right? It seems like that's what it should be and that's what my players are expecting we haven't gotten there yet but i'm gonna run it as written it just makes me wonder why no yeti especially when i looked at the uh the, the quest in targos and there is gonna be a yeti farther on in there so why didn't they put it in this one i don't know it's uh, very interesting uh let's see so yeah that's all that's all we got to in session one uh, maybe your players will get to more. Maybe you need to do a little bit more planning. Uh, maybe you should wait until two or three of these episodes are out before uh, you do your own planning because who knows how fast or how slow your players are going to get to all this content. But that's all I did. So what worked well for my players? The secrets were huge. They really liked those. They liked seeing those background ideas. They liked the investigation. They had a lot of fun uh, going to the different places. They found items. Uh, one of my players found a a glass uh, 
a, a glass pipe that they're going to use to smoke some sort of drugs with later. Uh, that they were able to bribe uh, the gnome Copper Nabernacher to let them keep. That was fun. Uh, meeting Copper was fun. He's a fun character, especially if you play him uh, a little silly. I, th- I really think they in- they enjoyed investigating uh, the the murder in a way that they would not they wouldn't have the same satisfaction if they went straight to wherever Sephic is. Also, I invented sort of a, a route for the uh, the the traveling merchant company to follow, and uh, they were able to use some deduction to figure out where the cart was going uh, to be. In all honesty, and if one of your you if one of my players is still listening, you definitely. Uh, should have listened to me much earlier and turned this off. But if you're still listening, stop now. Because technically, the, the, the cart was going to be in the next town they go to regardless. Because uh, I want to get this quest over and done with to make them level 2 as soon as possible. Ideally, uh, you, you would like to have your players maybe level up after session 1. But definitely after session 2. They need to be level 2. So I guess maybe that would be something that did not work well. Uh, they didn't get to level two. I, I made up a little one sheet to send to my players to let them know about the campaign, and I invented a uh, homebrew background uh, agent of Alaya that, that they could use. Only one of them did. Two items that they received uh, were a red crystal Order of Alaya insignia and a uh, message written in vi- invisible ink to give to Squivers. Or, or a hidden message, a secret message. And what I did was I went to a, uh, a red filter message generator where if you, you pass a little piece of red foil over the message, you can read it. Uh, I, I went to one of those and I, I wrote out our, our uh, like the location of uh, the crashed ship uh, in that so that if the player didn't realize what it was, maybe they could uh, pass it around to the party and... Uh, Maybe somebody would recognize this sort of a message for what it was. The one that got it was my son, <laughs> who didn't listen to my uh, idea to go speak to the le- to the reghead and ask about their leader. He he was a little disconnected in this uh, session, so maybe that was something that didn't work well. But anyway, he didn't recognize this secret message for what it was, and uh, that didn't work out. I guess I wouldn't say that this didn't work, but I, I put in uh, an NPC with uh, my quest giver in, in case they asked Squivers if he wanted to come along with them. I didn't want him to go because he's like, uh, ideally, I mean, I think he, he is of higher level, uh, a better fighter maybe than my, my characters. Uh, so I didn't want him to go and, and take all the shine. So I invented another NPC to go with them in case they wanted that they didn't ask about it so that's fine that's not really good or bad either way um i'm trying to think was there anything else that didn't really work i think that was it i think it was just those couple of little things mostly nothing really terrible happened but um you know not everything goes the way it wants you the way you want it to Uh, i don't have any obviously this is episode one i don't have any questions to answer or uh insults to uh parry so i will just say if you're a brand new dm listening to this and you're planning to run rhyme of the frost maiden as your first campaign or maybe your second campaign or you know one of your beginning campaigns and you're looking for a way 
to to branch out to grow as a dungeon master. You're not you're not very comfortable with it. Uh, I would say l- let's g- let me give you a little bit of homework. Invent an NPC for your players to meet uh, during their session one. Uh, it doesn't have to be the quest giver. It doesn't have to be someone that is going to recur. It could just be as something as simple as uh, maybe. Let's say there's there is a halfling man with uh he's got an enchanted tea teapot so he pours he pours uh out of the teapot into his hand uh he mimes having a glass there and uh, a glass forms uh in his hand full of hot tea that he that he sells to uh, passersby in the streets of Bryn Shander. That's an NPC that your your characters will uh, pass by. Maybe he'll yell out, "Hey, would you like a, a tea?" Oh, newcomer to town uh, on the house. If you make this an interesting NPC or someone with a little bit of a quirk, your players will remember him, and maybe they'll every time they come to Bryn Shander, they'll want to go get tea from this guy. Or maybe they'll pass right by; they won't have time to stop. And it was just a little bit of extra flavor that makes the world bigger and more real. Uh, either way, it, it'll be good. It'll be good practice for you to, to build something like this. And I'll give you a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a, a hint for making memorable characters. First of all, of course, personality quirks. Think of a reason why this this person is an inv- individual, uh, separate from all other NPCs, right? Uh, he could be a little sarcastic. He could be uh, rude. He could be extremely nice. He could be uh, overjoyed to have met a centaur or a tiefling or you know <laughs> a human for the first time. That's unlikely in the in the setting, but they need to have a reason for being separate from all other NPCs. Uh, but the other thing is, if you give your players some sort of a bonus for having interacted with this NPC, they will be very popular. If they drink. Uh, a, a tea and they have resistance to cold for the next 24 hours they're gonna love this guy's tea and they're gonna want to come back time and time again to this npc if they drink it and they get uh the jitters and uh they they get advantage on initiative for the next 24 hours and then they have a little bit of flavor where they have a little trouble getting to sleep that night that's going to be a very memorable npc for your party so that's that's sort of a, a fast track, a way to bribe your character, your players into liking your NPCs. You don't have to do it every time, but uh, I would say, you know, if you are the new DM that I that I was speaking to a minute ago, take this uh, this this shortcut and run with it. You know, toss this NPC or make up your own, preferably. Don't don't just steal the halfling uh, that never saw a human before with the magic teapot. Uh, don't don't just steal that, but make up your own thing with it, your own uh, little quirks and your own bonuses. I mean, you can steal the bonuses if that's what you want, but I mean, I can't stop you. You could steal the whole thing, but just for the purposes of a homework assignment. If you make up your own thing and your players respond to it, that's going to be huge, and it's going to make you feel like a DM that knows what they're doing. So, yeah, what, what did we what did we learn? What did we talk about? Okay, so we talked about uh, Session Zero, right? Uh, you can do it on Discord. You can do it on uh, a group text, Twitter DM. Uh, you could do it in person. You could have a phone call. 
Uh, you can do it however you want to do it. If you want to meet together and do a session zero where everybody talks in real time with each other, you can do that. That's not a problem. I think it's better to let it let it let it simmer and do it for a week or two weeks before you start the campaign. Personally, in my opinion, because it gives people time to think and plan and uh, build great characters. But if you want to do a session zero, do a session zero. I'm I'm, I'm not going to tell you that's the wrong way to do it. We talked about extensively. We talked about the secrets. We talked about letting your your players know about those background information. We talked about changing the NPC for cold-hearted killer because I don't think it's good. I guess I should have mentioned. I should have talked a little bit more about the nature spirit quest. The thing I don't like about the nature spirit quest is. Again, it's a bundled up figure walks briskly up to you. I don't like it. I don't like that. I mean, I like the the, the quest giver pulling the, the players in to do something that matters and that is worthwhile. I don't know. Just scholarly pursuits. I don't know if I would want to start a campaign with that. But if you can think of a way to make it matter and make it good for your players, or if you think that they're just going to like this lighthearted, fun thing, maybe something that could be good is if one of your players is playing some sort of a scholar or something that would be a good reason for this bundled figure to walk briskly up to the party right they're they're specifically going to your scholarly character and asking them for help uh one professional to another that could be very good that would be maybe the way i would go with it if i wanted to use this quest if you can think of another good way if anyone has any suggestions for a good way to use the Nature Spirits quest to start Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, please send them in to me, uh, thegregiest at protonmail.com, and we'll talk about it next week, or DM it to me, etc. And we'll talk about it. Uh, if you if you disagree with any of the things I said, uh, let me know, and we'll talk about it. If you have any questions, uh, any concerns, anything like that, uh, send them in to me, and we'll talk about it. I'm going to put some links in the show notes. Of course, to buy Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, you you do need to buy the book. Uh, I would say maybe do it on D&D Beyond, or, or if you're going to be using Roll20, use that. Um, it's easier to me to search these books uh, rather than have a paper copy, but maybe that's what you want to do. If that's who you are, you want a paper copy to rift through, then go for that. On the DMs Guild, I used a, a companion uh, that had some suggestions that I used. DMs Resources for Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden by J.A. Valour. I'm going to put the link to that, eventiergames.com. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. This is a lot of good ideas, alternate ideas uh, for running the, the, the campaign um, that I used and that I think you'll get a lot of use out of. It's uh, not too expensive. Uh, all in all, I think you'll be able to get all, all, the, all the stuff you need. Uh, for like 40 or 50 bucks, which is good it's considering you're going to be using this for months and months for, for hours and hours and hours. Also, I mentioned before that I, I charged uh, my, my players half price on items at the Black Iron uh, Blades. Uh, I've got a, an item price spreadsheet that I use all the time that I will include a link to. Uh, also, I didn't talk about it a lot, but I play games exclusively online, especially during... The COVID crisis, <laughs> you need to, but 
Uh, also, you know, because I stream it and I, I need all those those maps and everything, uh, I, I highly recommend using the program Foundry, uh, Foundry VTT. Uh, it's really good. And, and if you have any questions uh, about that, also feel free to send it to me and we'll talk about it next week. Uh, but I'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes. And uh, like I said, uh, I'm at the Greggiest on Twitter, the Greggiest at ProtonMail.com. And if you want to see me put all this this stuff to use and uh, actually play the game with my players, you can come in to the, the Power Warriors stream every Sunday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash powerwarriors, powerwarriors.com, and that is all of those Power Warriors have a Z on the end. Uh, no spaces, just uh, Power Warriors with a Z. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get with you next week. Uh, hopefully we'll finish uh, Cold Hearted Killer and Foaming Mugs and maybe we'll grab the quest from Targos. Yeah, we'll get we'll get some more stuff done. I'll, I'll talk to you next time on the DM's Guide to Rime of the Frost Maiden.